All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. Well, that was boring as hell, but I loved it. Let's get into it with the lead. I actually made myself yawn that first time, then I had to yawn again. Now, welcome into Oilers Nation every day, live from the Sports Closet Studio and live over on the Oilers Nation YouTube chat. The Oilers have won three hockey games in a row as they come out of the Christmas break and really don't miss a beat. A 5 nothing drubbing of the San Jose Sharks. And that one, like I said, was boring the Oilers came out of the gates put their foot down and said you may have beaten us once but we're not letting it happen again San Jose like I mean come on they got close to nothing going in that hockey game only nine shots from high danger areas in that one and listen I don't even think the Oilers played that good in that hockey game but they didn't need to be their B minus effort their B plus effort whatever we saw in that game somewhere in the B's it was good enough. So a perfect game to come out of the Christmas break. It's nice that they got to get their feet under them against a team that doesn't have a lot going for them and big game tomorrow against the LA Kings. But now you've kind of knocked the rust off with that victory over the San Jose Sharks. So another good one for the Edmonton Oilers. We will break it down today on the show and we have a decent amount going on here today. Um, I got some interesting numbers about the Oilers in the second half of seasons. We're going to talk a bit about that game coming up against the LA Kings. Full breakdown of the dub over the Sharks. And we're going to, of course, 
talk a little bit of goaltending as well. My pal Liam is not here today. It is just me, which means I am leaning on you in the Finning Cat YouTube chat. It is brought to you by Finning.com. Improve productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com and check out their extensive inventory on new used and rental equipment to find the right solution to meet your unique needs. If you need a part, it's never been easier with Finning Cat's online service. Once again, that website is Finning.com. You are alive in the chat. It feels good to be back doing shows on a regular basis as well. Canadian A is in with the first comment. Gone are the days of McLeod, the cardio merchant. He has arrived. Some talk in there about uh, the Oilers goaltending. I'll save those for a little bit. Uh, Mark is in as well with a good one. This show's initials are the same way they spell dynasty in Calgary. O-N-E, one. Um, I like that one. I thought that was creative. Hadn't heard that before. Um, Calvin Pickard is in. Good day, gentlemen. There was a great picture the Oilers tweeted yesterday of Stuart Skinner. He got both the painter and the plunger award for the Oilers post game. And Calvin Pickard is just kind of like sitting next to him smiling. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but Stuart Skinner was excellent last night. Braden, don't worry, Tyler. We will be your co-host today. That is what I'm hoping for. Uh, Ken Holland's in the chat as well. Ryan McLeod extension, four years, seven million per. That's that's a good joke, but that's also basically what they did to Zach Cassian. So I don't know how hard I want to laugh at that one because the pain hurts. Um, anyways. The Oilers get a 5-0 victory. I'll get to my moment of the game in a second. But first, let's just talk about Stuart Skinner here. I mean, a perfect game, a shutout. And we joked yesterday, I, I made him my key to victory for sure. Power Sports and Marine. I said, Stu's got to be good. Or sorry, that was back against the Rangers. I said, Stu's got to be good last night. I said, I wanted to see McDavid and Drysaddle dominate. But they did get another good performance from the mustache man, as Leon Drysaddle called him. I don't know if you saw this clip on Twitter. Skin Daddy, which... I'm not sure how I feel about that. But anyways, back-to-back games with above a 900 save percentage for Stuart Skinner against the Rangers and Sharks. He faced 59 shots and stopped 56 of them. His save percentage on the season went up five whole points with that shutout yesterday. He is... <laughs> I hit the little... I'm, I'm, we're good. We're good. I Sometimes I bump the little mute button on my microphone. We fixed it. Don't worry. Anyways, the point was... <laughs> what a cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Davin. Uh, the point is full marks for that Stuart Skinner shutout. I thought he was excellent in that hockey game. Um, the team in front of him played good. They made life easy on him for the most part. A lot of those saves, because the Oilers were up by so many, were uh, were sweat free. So Stuart Skinner feels like he's finding himself a little bit here. The Oilers have won three of his last five starts. He's been under, uh, well, he's been three goals against or less in four of those five as well. Like if you remove that Tampa Bay game, where that one was on him. I'm not trying to say it wasn't by any stretch, but you go back through, we'll do his last 10 games before. If you take out that Tampa game, it's excellent. Shutout against the Sharks, 9-12 save percentage against the Rangers, 8-57 against the Islanders wasn't great, but there was only one goal in there that you'd have a problem with. So again, over his last three games, one goal against where you maybe have a problem with it. The Tampa game stunk. Chicago, he was good. Many, he was good enough to get the win. Carolina and Winnipeg, one goal against in each of those. Against Vegas, good enough to get the win. Didn't think any of those goals were necessarily a problem. Like the one tying goal in that Vegas game was the cross crease, hip high, bat out of the air by I think it was Keegan Colasar. Like they beat him with some good goals in that one, a couple lucky ones as well. Then before that, two goals against Anaheim. Like 
since the end of November, late in November, 25 save shutout against Washington the game before that. Basically, since he stunk it up against Carolina, he's been full marks for this Oilers team. So uh, that that's a big, big positive from last night is just the fact that Stuart Skinner has, uh, yeah, they're trying to silence you. Does. Stuart Skinner has really dialed it in over the next little bit here. Uh, James is in with a question of Rodrigue for or against the Ducks. I'm going to save that for a little bit later on in the show. I will get to it, though. The reason it's our Sherwood for giant question. We got other things we got to get to first. You all have some takes on the game last night. Um, Naeem is in and says problem with Skinner's consistency, positive signs, but I'd rather not lull management into a false sense of complacency. This roster still has several flaws and I several's maybe a bit much, but I agree there. There's more than one thing. The Oilers got to solve. We'll talk more goaltending later. I keep getting sidetracked with the goaltending stuff. Isaac is in cloud or dry Fogel line looked pretty good last night and they did. They contributed a couple of goals in that one. Dry side. found the back of the net as well when that trio specifically was on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, they outscored the Sharks 1-0. The shots on goal were 7-6. Like, I thought they were good. They were moving in the po- in a positive direction a lot of the times. But it does tie in to my Alberta Blue Cross moment of the game brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross and their fantastic travel insurance. You can find out more about how they can protect you and your memories at ab.bluecross.ca slash travel. Bring Cassie and home. McLeod has been so much better. Guy is shooting from the inside finally. And I saw Mulek had one up here early on. Uh, where he, he, he basically just mentioned, I'm not going to find it because it was, oh, I got it. McLeod four for four shots. Ryan McLeod has scored on four consecutive shots on goal. And yes, I, that's my moment of the game was his goal last night. Cause look at this. Look, he shot the puck from an area where it's like not a great, a scoring chance. A lot of his goals, he goes to the net and he gets kind of the tapping in front, right? Which again, takes effort, takes a nose from the net, all that stuff. But I don't remember the last time Ryan McLeod took a shot from like outside the home play area, outside the three feet ring around the crease. Like that was nice. That was a sight for sore eyes. And what it should do, if I was anyone on that coaching staff, I'd be pulling Ryan McLeod aside, showing him the fact that he scored on four straight shots and go, dude, good things happen when you throw pucks on net. Like it really is as simple as that. Looking at the numbers on the year, Ryan McLeod is 10th on the Oilers in shots on goal, even though he's played in all 32 games. You have a guy like Sam Gagne who only has three less shots than Ryan McLeod. He's played 14 less games and he only has three less shots. Connor Brown, who's been more or less invisible for all 25 of his games as an Oiler, he only has four less shots than Ryan McLeod. He's played seven less games than him. Cody Ceci, a defensive defenseman, only has five less shots than Ryan McLeod. All of this. Ryan McLeod doesn't shoot the puck a lot. And yet, he's now up to six goals on the year, seventh on the team. And his shooting percentage is fourth on the Oilers. The only Oilers who have a better shooting percentage or higher shooting percentage, I shouldn't say better, a higher shooting percentage than Ryan McLeod, Zach Hyman at 17%. Should maybe talk about that in a bit. James Hamblin, 167 Leon Drysaddle, elite goal scorer, 16.3. And then Ryan McLeod at 14.3%. Shoot the puck more, man. Like, it, it really is. It should be as simple as that. If this guy shot the puck more, he would score more. And now he's up to six goals because he's got four goals in his last three games. 
So he's up to six goals in 32 games this year. That works out to a pace of 15.3 goals over the course of 82 games. If Ryan McLeod got 15 goals this season, you're probably pretty happy with his production, right? Right? So the pace so far hasn't been bad. The consistency has been an issue. But what this should show you again is if Ryan McLeod, there's 50 games left in the season. You shot 42 pucks in the first 32 games. If you can shoot 100 pucks in the final 50 games of the season, you're a 20-goal guy this year. Like a 20-goal season can still be salvaged from Ryan McLeod. And why that's important, one, you want goals. Goals are good. Two, and Mulek, I, I do agree. Like he says, I think they found Dreisaitl a left winger. I really like the look of that duo. I have been saying for a long time, Leon Dreisaitl plays better when there's speed on his wings or when there's speed on his line somewhere. And putting Fogel and McLeod with him gives him nothing but speed on his wings. I like it. He skates like McDavid Light. 100%. 100%. But if Ryan McLeod can get his confidence going and him and Warren Fogel can be a good duo, having them on the third line could be really, really important. Finding a third line that can consistently bring offense to this team for the Edmonton Oilers is huge. Like That, that would be massive. So while I think we found a left winger for Dreisaitl for now, when Dylan Holloway's back, I'm still so tempted to put Dylan Holloway in that left wing spot on the second line. Maybe Ryan McLeod's a winger forever. Maybe that that is the ultimate outcome here. Or maybe he can just take the things he does good as a winger and pl- play that way when he's a center. Like that goal he scored last night, it, it's not totally from the outside. It's not like it was an off-the-rush wing kind of play. He gets those looks when he plays center. He just often passes them up. If he throws more pucks on net, He's going to keep scoring, whether he's a centerman or a winger. And if he can get his confidence rolling here, maybe he's the 3C. Uh, Carter and Brian both asked this question. Why not Holloway as the 3C? And I get this one too. Like, give Holloway 3C. What's he done to be the clear 100% two right wing? Dylan Holloway's never really played center at the NHL level. I don't think he has played center at the NHL level. Has there been a game where Dylan Holloway started the game as a center? I don't remember that game. So what's he done to earn the 3C spot is what you could say. And it's not really about earning it either. It's about just putting your team in a position to succeed. Like sometimes part of the issue here is when you try to make young guys earn it with fourth line minutes or whatever, where they're only playing seven, eight minutes a night, they never earn it. And you get Philip Broberg, you get Dylan Holloway in the first 50 games last season where it's like, oh, I want him to earn it. But he can't build up any momentum when you're only playing him six, seven minutes a night. Kenneth Mark Holland, KMH in the chat. Agreed. Holloway needs a shot on Dreisaitl's wing. Crazy Yanmark has been tried in the top six and Holloway hasn't. I agree. Matthias Yanmark, there's a reason why he keeps getting put up there. And I think it's because the guns like him. For whatever reason, McDavid and Drysaddle seem to seem to just like the style he plays. That wouldn't be happening. Yanmark wouldn't be getting elevated as often as he does if Connor McDavid hated it. Let's put it that way. But why they've refused to give Holloway that shot, I, I don't know. He's a first-round pick with legitimate offensive pedigree. Down in Bakersfield, he goes there and scores. Different league, I get it. But there's a goal score somewhere in there with Dylan Holloway. And what you don't want is to get to a point 
where it's halfway through next season, you've never given him a shot. And now you're sitting there having the conversation you're having with Broberg where it's like, oh man, I I wonder if he's ever going to be that guy. Like it's harder when you're a D-man because there's only six spots. Everyone plays with their pairing. It's harder to shuffle things around on the blue line. It's very easy to give Dylan Holloway three straight games 12 to 16 minutes or 14 to 17 minutes with Leon Dreisaitl and say, we're just going to try it. That's basically what they did with McLeod here. They said, we're just going to try Dreisaitl, McLeod, and Fogle. And they did it for a couple of games and it worked. And you're not going to break that up right now while it's hot. But when they cool off and Dylan Holloway's healthy, there's something to be said about taking McLeod and Fogle, moving them down to the third line, seeing if they can keep that momentum going there Elevate Holloway, elevate Kane back up. You still have enough speed there with Dylan Holloway on the right side. Maybe it could work. Maybe, maybe. I don't have a co-host, so you'll have to watch me drink my coffee awkwardly today. Sergeant Battle, I don't want to see Clowder play center again. He's not built for it. I, but like, I he wins draws as an at an okay clip. Like he skates good enough to be a centerman. I think the problem with with McLeod is just adjusting the way he plays the game. And when you put him on the wing, he does all these little things you want to see from him, right? What's the mental block there? Why doesn't he shoot the puck when he's a centerman? When he comes in off the rush as a centerman, why does he not shoot the puck? And, and again, we can't even really say he's shooting the puck more now as a winger. He only has four shots in his last three games. He's just scored on them all, right? He should be able to do these things. Sergeant Battles has too much pressure. I, I don't know about that. Could it be a hockey IQ thing with Clowder? But then you see him do things well on the wing. So it's like it's in him somehow. But it almost feels like there's some weird mental block. I don't know. I, I think he has center smarts. Rusty, less defensive responsibility as a winger. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like when he's worried about being the high guy or having a float back. However, Bruce Kerlock would probably break it down a lot better than me. Maybe it's just too much going on, and that's where he loses it a little bit. Dangerous Wade makes a decent point. Hamblin and Vinny both earn their spots playing less minutes. Holloway needs to show up. He deserves needs to show he deserves to move up too. I think the difference here is like you don't have top six aspirations for James Hamblin, right? You don't have top four aspirations for Vinny DeHarnay. Like they came in looking to earn a fourth line job. And now it's a success because they've established themselves as a third pairing D-man and a fourth line centerman, right? The difference I would say with a guy like Holloway, and and this is maybe the issue with Broberg, like Broberg's never been terrible when he's played third pairing minutes, but he's a top 10 pick. And by this point, you probably want him to be a top four defenseman like other guys who would have been drafted around him that year. The thing with Holloway is, and and I like how Milik says it, he's a first round pick. He can play with skill and he should be. Your goals for Dylan Holloway are not to make him a hardworking fourth-line player. Your goal with a guy you took in the top half or right in the middle of the first round, it should be for him to be playing as a second-line winger and to be a great complementary piece to either 97 or 29. If you're just going to bog him down with Connor Brown and James Hamblin, who are fine NHLers but not top six guys, we've learned that this year with Connor Brown, then I worry you're just never going to give him an opportunity to get comfortable playing a skill game. He can, he'll do the dump and chase thing for you. I have full confidence that Dylan Holloway will do that and he'll bang bodies and he'll skate hard because we saw him start to do that last year. But 
I, I think you got to give Holloway a good, honest look with some skill here. Otherwise, we're going to be at the point next season where we are right now with Philip Broberg, which is, ooh, is he ever going to be that guy? Again, hard to give a D-man opportunity. I don't think Philip Broberg is a fit here long term because I don't think that opportunity comes unless someone gets hurt. The opportunities there for Dylan Holloway. This summer, you're going to be going back to the free agent market, trying to find a better version of Connor Brown and someone to be your sixth good top six piece. You have five right now. You need that sixth one. There is a chance Dylan Holloway is that guy. Wyatt Johnston did it in Dallas. He was drafted later than him. Guys are doing it. Give Dylan Holloway that look. And does it make your team better this year? Yeah, totally. Could it save you money next year when you already have your next top six piece built in or you can rely on Holloway to be a fill-in guy and a high-end third-line piece? Totally. I think it makes sense in the long term to give this guy a long run. Jay Diz is in. Broberg needs to get more playing time and see if he can be a top four guy. But that's the issue, right? Like with Holloway, it's easy to give him a run in the top six because there's 12 forward spots, four forward lines. You can mix and match the lines a little bit more and not disrupt things. The Oilers have been running the same D pairs since basically the minute they acquired Matias Echo. Have they really changed them all that much outside of when a guy takes an odd day off? No. So you can't really afford to give Broberg that opportunity. There's just not wiggle room in the lineup for it, you know? James is in, says Holloway's speed is great, but finishing goals has been a problem. I think it would work with dry, hopefully. Someone else to Naeem. Holloway can play right wing, right? I'd keep McLeod up, move Fogel down. I don't hate that idea either. McLeod, dry side of Holloway could work. Fogel is a good physical third liner. I like that. Rusty, you nailed it. The issue is, who do you sit to give Broberg a shot? The defense has been outstanding lately. No need to move. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Move anyone out. Jay Diz, man, just think if we had chosen Boldy instead of Broberg and, and think if they had chosen Wyatt Johnston instead of Dylan Holloway, right? Or whatever that year was. 
They haven't drafted great under Ken Holland. There's no getting around that. Make sure my mic's not muted again. James says, sounds like a sick line. Totally. Um, So there you go. That was a long conversation stemmed off the Alberta Blue Cross moment of the game. But Ryan McLeod, four shots, four goals in three games. He is back up to a 15 plus goal pace. Shout out to Alberta Blue Cross. If you want to get in on the next nation vacation, we are going out to Arizona and time is running out. If you want to get in on this bad boy, 1999 for double occupancy, that gets you your ticket to the game at Mullet Arena your hotel in Phoenix, your flights to and from Phoenix, leaving from Edmonton, transportation to and from the airport in Phoenix as well. And you get to hang out with us, the Oilers Nation crew. So it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun out in the desert. And it's all brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Mulek, yeah, I mean, it, we had this whole debate on Oilers Nation radio, Liam and I, where it was like, you know, it was Broberg a bad pick. Or was he a good pick and do the Oilers suck at developing, right? Was Holloway not the right pick? I'm not even going to say he's a bad pick. He's still a good pick as of right now. But was Holloway not the right pick? Were there better picks? Or would it not have mattered because the Oilers don't develop their prospects all that well? I'm not reading this one, but it made me laugh. Jack is in. Hey, Edmonton, please beat the Kings. Thank you. Well, first off, three wins in a row. Not that it builds you up any sort of wiggle room, because when you go look at the Western Conference wildcard standings, they're still they're still behind the eight ball here. A 516 points percentage still puts them behind Nashville, St. Louis, and then there's the cut line, Minnesota, Arizona. But the way they're humming right now, it's starting to get pretty easy to believe that they can win their games in hand. And if they win their games in hand, they'll obviously pass Seattle. That's not even close. They're already tied with Calgary, and they have three games in hand. If they win their game in hand, they're a point back a mini. If they win the games in hand they have on St. Louis, they're tied with them, and they would hold the tiebreaker if they win them both in regulation. And if they beat their games in hand, they'll pass Nashville as well. Like They're starting to get hot, I think. Um, LA lost to Vegas. They'll be hungry. Yeah, they, they probably will to some extent, but I don't know how much that has to do with it. The Oilers got to get up for that game, though. But what I was kind of getting to saying is I'm not sounding alarm bells if they lose to the LA Kings tomorrow. They've won three games in a row. They've beaten two really good game, really good teams over this stretch. And they have an opportunity over the next month where winning two of every three games is not a stretch at all. Like, not even close to it. Aaron, I'm going to flash in something I did just because I had it written down on uh, on an article I'm working on right now that should probably drop tomorrow. And this is going to be one of the ugliest things we've ever done on the show because it's literally a screenshot of a Word document. But here's the Oilers schedule from now until the end of January, broken up into three game chunks. San Jose, LA, Anaheim. They've already won one of them. You can probably beat the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday. It's not the end of the world if you beat the LA Kings. Philly, Ottawa, Chicago. Good Lord, if you don't win two of those games, there's something wrong. Winning two or three is easily attainable there. Detroit, Montreal, Toronto. Two of three there, very easy. Detroit and Montreal stink. Toronto, very good team, but they are also beatable. I think they're in the elite category. That's why I bolded them along with the LA Kings, but two or three there, very attainable. Seattle, Calgary, Columbus, is two of three ever attainable there? Chicago, Nashville, easy split because you sh- should beat one of those two. Like, like you break this down, 
you get two elite teams in that span, LA and Toronto. And as far as lottery team goes, it's San Jose, it's Anaheim, it's Columbus, Chicago, and Chicago again. So five, you could probably get close to putting Montreal in there, but we won't for now. Still, five lottery teams, two elite teams between now and the end of January. A 666 points percentage should probably be the bare minimum here for the team in that span, right? Mulek says we beat them all. Like, So, Aaron, I'm totally going to mess with you again, but I just need the visual. I am a visual learner. 3, 6, 9, 12, 14 games. You've already won one because you beat San Jose last night. 14 games. Is 10-3-1 that ridiculous? Like, let's say you can beat one of LA or Toronto. 10-3-1 is more than attainable in that stretch. 11-3-0 is probably realistic in there. Christopher Palmer, 10 and three, totally. Levi, no reason we can't win nine or 10 of those games. Absolutely. Like Naeem says, January is looking like a perfect time to go on a 10 game heater. And I am with you 1000%. And here are the numbers that I pulled up. The Oilers, basically in the Connor McDavid era, when they've been competitive, they are always a better team from January 1st on. Here are the three years I looked at. Back in 2016, 17, when they made their first run to the playoffs with McDavid, from October until December 31st, they had a 592 points percentage. From Jan 1 till the end of the year, 659. It jumped up a good, a good amount there. Back in 2021-22, they had a points percentage of 592 in their first 31 games. So from October till December 31st, they were 592 again. From Jan 1 till the end of the year, 657 again, right? They saw a big jump up. And then last season, also that year um, in 21-22, when they were 592 from October 1 to December 31st and 657 onward, that also includes that span in January, February that got Dave Tippett fired. So they were really good in the later parts of that season. And then you go to last season. They were 2016-2 from October till December 31st. That's a 5-5-3 points percentage. 20th in the NHL. From January on last year, 761-37-7. The later the year goes on, they get better. In 2021-22, they had a 741 points percentage from March 1st until the end of the season. Last year, from March 1st to the end of the year, best team in the NHL, 18-2-1. This team loves going on late game heaters. It should not be a surprise at all if they get hot in January when their schedule gets easy and then they beat a whole bunch of good teams in February. It shouldn't surprise you at all. This, traditionally, this is what the Oilers do. I know we have the joke Wanye and I on real life all the time that I'm good for one freak out a year. Two years ago, I was sitting on a couch at Nation HQ, staring at the ceiling, being like, oh my God, this team's going to miss the playoffs. It was like November 26th. It was American Thanksgiving. I'm like, they're screwed. Last year, I did the same thing. They were 2016 and two at Christmas or whatever. And I was like, this team might just be average. This team might not be good enough. And what happened? They won the division. Is the division still in reach right now? No, I, I, it's just that there's three teams that are all really good. And I know Vegas and LA are coming back down to earth a little bit right now, but one of Vancouver, Vegas or LA will probably just keep running the table to some extent and stay ahead of them. But yeah, you're 16 points back. I know you have games in hand. And if you win the games in hand, you're only 10 points back of Vegas or you're less than that. Yeah. You win your games in hand. That's five. You pick up 10 points. You're six points back of Vegas. 
win the head-to-head game. It's only four. No, we're asking for a lot. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Calm down, everybody. I don't think the division's in reach. Christopher Palmer, LA, seven, six, and one at home. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, like they can, they can beat them for sure. I'm just not sitting there going like, oh, tomorrow is uh Naeem, Tyler, you're sounding like Rick. I know. That's why I had to stop myself there. New episode of Oilers Nation Radio coming later today, though. Um, yeah, since Vegas were 10 and 1 to start the year, they've gone 10 and 13. Like, they're slipping, man. Like, they're, they've mellowed out. LA's mellowed out a little bit here. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, two months from now, we're talking about a Kings team that's not getting very many saves anymore. Um, but again, that, that's a good pre gaming conversation for, uh, for tomorrow's show. LA's plateaued. The Oilers should be able to get hot in January. I'm not having any sort of division or home ice conversation yet, but talk to me when they hit their bye week at the end of January. We'll talk then. We'll table that conversation for a little bit later. Um, I said I wasn't going to go for the full hour today just because I got to run a new Oilers Nation radio in a little bit. Um, But a couple other things I wanted to hit on, one of which is the Sherwood Ford giant question of the show. It is brought to you by their fantastic service and parts department. The snow is not going anywhere, so you got to get your your vehicle ready for it. They are selling winter tires, winter rims, mountain balance, and wheel alignments, and they even have the tire quote tool up on their website. Go to shortford.ca. I think we can put that tire that tire tool in the YouTube description for you as well. Um, here's your question. Do you start Olivier Rodrigue against the Anaheim Ducks? We're not going to be doing a show until then. This is our last ON every day of 2023. So happy new year to everybody watching. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say no, though. I don't think now's the time for Rodrigue. I think, and Christopher Palmer gave me the all caps. No, Oh, Naeem says yes. Davin says no. It's too early. Like he, he is an awesome story. 10 games in this season to be leading the American league in save percentage. Unbelievable. The Oilers maybe, maybe have drafted and developed a second straight NHL caliber goalie. It would be unbelievable. The nickname potentials, O-Rod, just calling him Ollie, as race fan says, hot rod, it's great. This guy should be a player for the Oilers at some point. Matthew, didn't you just say we don't develop prospects correctly? I mean, (laughs) we don't. But that doesn't mean they haven't done well on the goaltending side of things. Finally, after what, decades of not being able to do it? They maybe finally have. Naeem, why not see what we have? He needs waivers next year. Yep, totally. When do I think he should be brought in, says James? I'm looking at that start against the Columbus Blue Jackets on January 20th. I... It's too early right now. I I think you want to be a little bit careful with him. The last thing you want to do is bring him up. His confidence gets shot. He costs you a game. And then you're sitting there going, ah, we probably can't trust him for the rest of the year. If you wait until that Jan, sorry, it was Jan 23 against, uh, against Columbus. First off, you don't have a very heavy schedule. So you can probably ride Skinner a little bit more here. Not that Pickard's been bad, but like, again, lots of days off. Plenty of two-day breaks mixed in here. They don't play a single set of back-to-backs in the month of January. You can play a lot of Skinner, mix in Pickard against some bad teams, and you're good. But then January 23rd, you give him that start against Columbus. If he plays good, you give him another one coming out of your bye week because you have back-to-backs against Anaheim and LA. And then the week after that, you get Detroit and St. Louis in there. St. Louis might be out of the mix by that point. Like, I can look and see if you give him Columbus, 
three starts before the middle point of February, right? By that point, you'll know if you can trust him or not. And that'll tell you what you need to do in terms of goaltending at the deadline and things like that. If Rodrigue can come give you 905 hockey the rest of the year, and you can trust him a little bit more than Pickard because there's some upside with this guy. Maybe you don't have to go get a goalie at the deadline. And I know that's dangerous. But maybe, just maybe that's possible. Wise Kyle, do we waive Gleason and carry three goalies for that game? I, I, I think Pickard clears. I don't think anyone's going to jump and try screw you because if they do, it's just a matter of time until that team would put another guy on waivers. So I wouldn't really worry about it. Uh, Christopher Palmer, let him play out the season in Baco. We'll need a developed goalie to ride with Stu for the playoffs. Do you, though? I don't know. I don't know. I I think you could trust Ollie and Stu if you can give Rodrigue three or four starts before the deadline and he plays good in those games. Uh, Mulek, if Rod can play, do you trade Stu for a bonafide top four goalie like Saros? I'm so nervous to do that. So nervous to do that. One, Stuart Skinner could be that kind of guy for you. Not Soros, top five goalie in the league kind of guy, but like an above average starter. We got to remember, he's 25 and this is his second season in the league. Also, the Oilers are right up against it cap wise. What would you, and it's, I know this is going to sound dumb potentially, but just hear me out on it. If you have Rodriguez and Skinner as your tandem next year, whatever the hell happens with Jack Campbell, don't care. But if you can get Rodriguez for 800K, and you have him and Skinner for 3.4 million bucks for the next couple of seasons. That's a massive bargain. So you can have Skinner and Rodriguez at 3.4, or you need to go trade Skinner, trade a ton of assets, and then you have a more expensive goalie duo. Granted, it could be better. Like if Saros is on the board, you know, maybe it's different, but I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of trading Skinner. Naeem, I don't trust Stu by himself in the playoffs. We've been burned too many years in a row now. We've been burned once by Skinner, and that's because he played too much heading into the postseason, which looks like it's going to happen again. So maybe, you know, maybe that's a fair argument. But the playoffs, there's also a bit of luck, right? You just need a guy to get hot. Bobrovsky stunk until basically the month leading up to the playoffs, and then he gets hot and goes, Dwayne Rollison in 2006. Come on. He was not good until the playoffs started, more or less. And then he got really hot. So. Yeah, Rusty Skinner's only had one playoff run. I think you can trust, you can keep trusting Stuart Skinner. I don't think that's, give him another chance is kind of what I'm saying. Ah, damn, Sweden did score. Hey, I saw you guys all saying that. Wasn't on the power play either, five on five. Canada down one nothing to Sweden. I'm going to go watch the third period, the rest of the second period here right away. Um, so there you go. That's your Sherwood Ford giant uh, question of the day. Would you call up Rodrigue for Anaheim? I think most of us are on the same page and we say no. So. Um, yeah, it's one nothing Sweden, Kurt, if you're if you're still wondering. Um, so there's your short forward giant question of the day. Let's get to the menu for our friends at DoorDash. You can make DoorDash. Well, not your holiday hack, your New Year's hack. What could be some of your resolutions? You could want to cook less. DoorDash could help you. Maybe this is a good one. Try more local restaurants. DoorDash would certainly be able to help you out with that. And we can help you out with the promo code up at the top of your screen. Use the promo code NATION25. Get yourself 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. Download the DoorDash app in the App Store. Salty Dylan is in it. I love this. Makes me laugh every time someone does it. I'm a half hour behind, but I'm going to give my thoughts anyways. I love that. Your comments won't make any sense, won't go with the flow, but you're doing you, and I respect it. 
Um, anyways, the menu for DoorDash. Here's what we got going on around the nation this weekend. New episode of ONR coming later on today. That should drop around 2.30, 45, 3 o'clock, somewhere in that range. Tomorrow, pre-gaming with Boardsy at 7 o'clock right here on the Oilers Nation YouTube. Oilers Nation After Dark immediately following that. And then a New Year's Eve classic between the Oilers and Ducks. Pre-gaming starts at 5 with myself and Aaron once again. We'll be there for both shows. And then Oilers Nation After Dark, Bagged Milk, and Bordado on uh, the post game there. So it's all happening right here on the Oilers Nation YouTube. Make sure you follow along. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, The Oilers take on the Kings tomorrow and then the Ducks after that. It's also just, in general, a hell of a sports weekend. Lions-Cowboys in the NFL tomorrow night. That is going to be a very good game. Liam versus Gavin as far as nation headquarter allegiances go. Sunday has a chance to be a wild one in the NFL. First off, I think there's 14 games on Sunday. That's electric. Bills, Patriots, and then Ravens, Dolphins. Those both happening at the same time could be unbelievable. Like Maynard Nugent Spivey says, I'm not leaving the house this weekend. Dude, there's no way I am either. There's so many divisions in the NFL still up for grabs. The Oilers play two games. It is going to be the, the only reason I am leaving my house this weekend is to go to the golf simulator that is like literally right down the street from me. Other than that, I'm parking it on the couch, and that is about all I'm doing over the next 48 hours. So giddy up. That's the menu for our friends at DoorDash. Dash that for the win in 2024. I said it was going to be a quick edition of the show and oh, college football playoffs, too, from Wise Kyle. That should be good, too. Maynard Nugent Spivey Liquor Store. Use DoorDash. You don't need to leave the house. Get your beers brought right to your front door. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, James, great way to end off the new year. Two Oilers games back to back. Bring Cassie home. I like this one. Looking forward to the arrival of my new ON hat. Thanks to Liam's. Oh, you got the varsity hat. Thanks to Liam's flag game. The Boxing Week sale is still on, by the way. I think you only, this is going to be my last chance to plug it. 15% off site-wide at nationgear.ca. Free shipping on orders over $200. So if you're one of those people that lives far away, this is a good opportunity for you to get in on it. We got daily face-off merch up there as well. The Varsity Collection is new and it is sharp. I like that crew neck we have. The white with the black and it just says O-N on the chest. That's really sharp. And you're going to get 15% off. Go look, go shop into the mall. You don't get a crew neck for what would the final price be? 1530. What's 15% of 60? I, you guys should not have trusted. It's like 10 bucks off. 50 bucks. You're not getting a crew neck for cheaper than 50 bucks at the mall. Nation Citizen Line, the Oil Derek T. It's all happening at nationgear.ca. Giddy up. Boxing Week sale comes to a close in the next couple of days here. I think on the 31st. So you're going to want to get in on that. Um, That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. The final show of 2023. Thank you so much if you tuned in at any point over the last calendar year here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from on the YouTube because we're not stopping in 2024 and neither are the Oilers. The heater is coming and you're going to want to be here every weekday at 12.01 Mountain Time. Enjoy your New Year's celebration. Celebrate responsibly. Don't be a dumbass. Don't drink and drive. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll chat with you again in 2024. Go Oilers. Thank you for watching Oilers Nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com.